Welcome to the Rainbow Popcorn Podcast. We are reviewing queer cinema and camp classics. I'm Lee. And I am Brett. How are you, Brett? I am good. Good. We got the little D. That's not at all the kind of tune of our intro music. No, it's not. It's not the tune of that terrible Cure song, Boys Don't Cry. I don't it's like also, the Cure. The song could be good, but it's also not the vibe of this movie. No, it is definitely is not. Um, all right, so we are doing Boys Don't Cry uh, from yeah. 1999, Hilary Swank's Oscar-winning performance. Her first Oscar-winning performance, correct? Yeah. Um, off the top, she's great. Great. Um, She's a very good actress. Regardless of anything else I think we talk about to do with this, it is very good. She is very she's good. A, it is very well acted by Hilary Swank. And yes. Chloe Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny, yes. Sevigny? And not Bill Skarsgård's brother. Oh, I knew I thought it was a Skarsgård, but it's a Sarsgård. Sarsgård, yes. Which is very annoying. Probably for him more than anything. He's got a very distinctive voice. Sarsgaard, Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. yeah. I've seen him recently in Dope Sick, okay. which is very good. Yeah. Um, Isn't he married to someone? Probably. Family? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he married, like, Ashley Dunn or something? Ashley Judd, she's good. I don't know why I said Ashley Judd. I've seen her in things and I like her. Peter Sarsgaard is married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. There you go. Oh, wow. Close, close, Ashley Judd. No, not at all. Not, not, not at all. They're both white people. There you go. I okay. don't know why that matters. Net worth $25 million. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, yes, Boys Don't Cry, uh, the based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will probably discuss that yeah, later. Yeah. Um, story of Tina. Yes, um, Brandon, Brandon Tina. Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, trans man in Nebraska. For some reason, I thought they were in Texas. Um, yeah, the accents are quite strong. I actually think, I think, I think, Texans accents are stronger than they are. Do you think they're real, like Southern, like Alabama or, or something? No, like Nebraska. Like Nebraska, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then I listened to a podcast, and one of the co-hosts of the podcasts podcast is a Texan. Right. And her accent is very neutral. And I don't know if she... She might have neutralised it a bit for the podcast. Yeah. But it's nowhere near what this Nebraska mm. accent is. Okay. So I think... Sorry, anyone listening in Texas. I I'm think you've got an ugly accent. A more just, redneck. Just do better. Yeah. Um, okay. So we rate all of our movies on Rainbow Popcorn on our pride scale. Yes. Which we've picked the four most important things we can think about and... The movie overall. The overall. Uh, so it is presentation, representation, iconicness, dialogue and acting, and entirety. Yeah. Spells pride. pride. The presentation of this movie is very indie 99. It's very... I was almost going to say cheap looking. Indie. But it, it's also... It, do, it doesn't need to be looking fancy. It's about people who are kind of poor yeah, anyway. it needs to be real looking. Yeah. And it is. But then, like, those little time-lapsey interlude things, I wasn't a huge fan of. Yeah, I didn't like that either. It was... I did a bit of reading up on it. It was It was one of um, Kimberly Pierce's things to make it a little bit more artistic. She didn't right. necessarily shoot them. There was an artist that she was a fan of that did that stuff. Okay. And so she got the, uh, that artist in to do those kind of time-lapsey interludes, mm. which were kind of kind of scene-setting. Yeah. You know, in a lot of movies, you know, in case you forget we're in New York, they oh, fly you bang. into Manhattan over the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Like, they, it was... Or like, it was the kind of the, that at the end of Titanic, in case you didn't know she ended up in New York, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And, well, that also was Fabrizio No Name being like, I can see the Statue of Liberty already. Oh, right. When they've just left Liverpool. <laughs> say he died. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about Titanic. 
Um, so I think that was kind of setting the scene because a lot of those were like either empty land to show that they were kind of in the middle of nowhere yeah. or the factories to show it was a very working class industrial mm. kind of area. Um, but yeah, it, it very much was the look of a term I don't like, turn of the century. Turn of the in, century. <laughs> in Newfield, 99 to 2000. Jeez. It's like, let's not put too much effort into technology because we know on the 1st of January 2000, the technology is oh, going to turn on us. It's all going to die anyway. Yeah, and we'll be back to stop motion animation mm. film. Yeah, I think that it was quite... The directing was good, but I couldn't tell you anything that was like, wow, that was an amazing shot, except like... Um, how the violent bits were shot was quite well, confronting. Yeah. The whole the whole thing was shot very much from a personal thing. Yeah. There were lots of close-ups and there wasn't a lot of scenery. It was very much of the people. And, like, sometimes when you're in mum's lounge room, the shot was lower, so it was like you were sitting on the couch with them. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, which made it very personal, which then when you got to the violent bit, um, bits, <laughs> they hit harder because you were already in a, I'm in amongst this group of people yeah, and I'm with the people in the movie mm-hmm. and with Brandon for the whole journey. Yes. Particularly when you're telling this story that is so violent and so real, doing that so personally and making the violence so visceral is mm. the word. Visceral. Um, right. Is good. Because we reviewed movies, well, Stonewall, the violence is... To have to keep comparing things. Yeah, to because the violence, like, he gets bashed, but it looks good. Yeah, yeah, it's quite nice looking and, and we've even done some in Two Drink Cinema where it's very violent, but it doesn't feel real. Whereas this was like, oh, boy... Yeah, they're really... You know it seems real or visceral when I was, like, physically uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, it's a rape scene, so that also should make most people uncomfortable, but the fact that it was shot and seemed quite real is what makes it even more confronting and uncomfortable. And Pierce has done that very well. Yeah. Because there are other rape scenes in movies that don't feel as real or intense or as um, it doesn't get quite the emotional reaction out of you. Like yeah. when you see that kind of action on screen, you do go, oh, that's not good, whenever yeah. it happens. Yeah. But in this case, you have the feels. That made it sound not so serious. You have yes. the feelings um, along with Brandon. Yeah. Because yeah. you're right there. Yes. Um, and especially because one of them, you are face-to-face with Brandon. Yeah. You don't actually see what the other guys are doing. Yeah. You just see Brandon's face. Yeah. That's good. I think that it's an interesting thing. Like, presentation isn't that good like or flashy or impressive, but it doesn't need to be. Like, that's not what the movie is about. I think, yeah, I think... I think for presentation, I'm actually going to give it a four. Right. Because it actually is what it needs to be. Okay. I'm going to give it a three. You're not going to see it on an IMAX screen. No. Oh, God. Just imagine seeing that on an IMAX screen. But because... And it does like me playing my Nintendo 64 (laughs) on a big TV now. It's just a bit blurry. You don't want to see such a personal story look to... Pretty, yeah, and well made. You want it to look real, and it does. So it's a four for me. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that are a bit dated, like the the titles yeah. are very indie, yeah, uh, late nineties, uh, and like that bit where they're lying under the power lines, and then the kind of stars move and stuff. That's I, not I something we needed. That that's not something that you put in a movie these days. Um, so yeah, that knocks it a bit down. Mm. Okay. Cool. 
representation. So representation. As always, there's a lot to talk about. Yes. Um, straight off the bat, there is no people of colour in this movie. Yeah. Um, even, which makes it worse considering that in the real life story, one of the people that died was a black man. Yeah, so I I did some research and Pierce's reasoning behind that is that the more people she put in, the more crowded the story gets. Yes. And it's harder to tell with more people in it. And she says that the reason that she took that guy out was because the stories were that he wasn't as close to Brandon as the others. Well, I think my understanding was he was just that friend's boyfriend. Yeah. So, and... and He was a friend of a friend that just happens to be at the house that day. Yeah. Whereas the others were Brandon's group of friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that if there was one character that you could remove just completely um, and keep the movie the same, it would be that. Yes, which is unfortunate. Yes. And I don't... I'll give Kimberly Pierce the benefit of the doubt and then she's like, oh, I'm taking the black character out. Yeah, I, I don't I, think she yeah. went that way. I think she went, I'm taking the friend of a friend out. Yeah. Who happened to be the black guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. Because that, I think also that then adds another layer of it in the end murdering a black guy in a wheelchair where we really just need to be focused on Brandon Tina getting his head blown off. Yeah. I think it's just that tr- it's, uh, it's the tricky thing that it's tricky you're, in telling you're, make, you're making a real life movie it's yeah unfortunately it's not that accurate you can, well if, if you're you, going to tell a movie about this story tell the story yes but changing people's names removing people involved can you tell it well artistically if there's like sometimes you have to make choices of like adding this these Having this as four characters instead of maybe amalgamating them into one yeah, makes it too crowded and it takes away from the main story and the main point of the story. Yeah. I don't understand the changing of the name. Yeah, neither do I. Um, I don't know. The taking out of a character to allow us to concentrate more on the story is one thing. In, in telling any true story I don't think you're ever going to be able to fit all of the characters people and all of what happened in yeah Mm. I don't get why they changed Lisa's name to Candace no neither do I because they kept that character she kept that character in yeah she just changed her name yeah and I don't it's not like she would have been like no don't use my name she was dead you know what I mean? Like, but also, yeah, they use used... Lisa just not a good name. She didn't like her name. I don't know. That I found odd and why they did it. Yeah. No, I didn't get it either. I don't get why you changed the people. I, yeah, I kind of get why. I get why she the removed friend of the character friend out. out, but I just, it just doesn't make sense of changing a name. Like, what, what's the point of changing someone's name? If yeah. everybody else in the thing, you use their name. Yeah. Brandon, Lana, John, whoever, you know. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't get that bit. The other, the other issue, and we've both written it, is a white cis woman playing a trans man. Obviously, that is an issue. Well, at, at least looking into the research, research, at least they tried. Well, yeah. She did, Kimberly Pierce, scout the LGBT, as it was then, mm. community. She went to Jodie Foster. Yeah, but, well, she did write it with Jodie Foster in mind, but she's still a white cis woman. Yeah. Um, but she was also too old. By that stage. Yes. Yeah. But she couldn't... And this is what we've said a couple of times. 
it's a choice between casting the person who you think is going to do the right acting versus casting someone who might be the representation more correctly. Yeah. She looked at... um, She looked at a whole lot of possibilities. So she went to the LGBT community to try and find someone. She um, looked at... This is a quote... The more butch lesbians. Mm-hmm. She even looked at um, cis men that were more feminine. Yeah. Um, and looked for trans men, but couldn't find someone acting wise yeah. that would have ticked the box. And when you look at Hilary Swank, Hilary Swank obviously ticks the acting box doubly ticked. She won an Oscar. Doubly tits. Okay. Yeah. She, she did it well, well and she was acknowledged. By yeah. yeah. She okay. was acknowledged by her peers. So this is the thing. It is the, and it also, Hilary Swank, even though she wasn't huge, Hilary Swank puts it a little bit more mainstream. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it's a trans leading man, it is a little bit less mainstream it's a little bit more underground queer movie then. Not that I'm saying that we should mm-hmm. deliberately, filmmakers should deliberately make choices to try and get something into the mainstream. I'm just, again, leaning on the side of... The right person. It's okay to pick the right person to tell the story. Yeah. Now, no. Well, in 1999... 20... Plus years ago. In 1999, how many trans male actors were there around? Well, we don't know because their parts were given to white cis women. There could have been some, there but they weren't been. getting the parts. But in all but of also the looking... I'm oh, sorry, I shouldn't say parts. I should say parts. <laughs> but like, also, in all of her looking, she didn't find someone she liked to cast. Hmm. How far do you look? Do you put it in an open, open audition? Open, every yeah. trans man in America can audition. Yep. But then, and it's not good, but there must have been a lot of, there was probably a lot of trans men who didn't think about doing acting because there were no parts. Yeah. That's an issue. That's not Kimberly Pierce's fault, though. No. But is she adding to the issue? How, if they're not there to be cast... But if she, like, didn't do everything she could. I'm we don't know. No, I know. I know. We don't know whether she did or not. She yeah. says she scouted heavily. Yeah. And Hilary Swank was the best option. And in terms of acting ability, she yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think... And I think Hilary Swank is a good choice, was a good choice in look as well. Yeah. Because she's not the most feminine of female actors. No. Looking wise. Yeah. Um, but that's also what works for her in, like, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. She's not pretty. Because if you saw a pretty, pretty girl doing yes. that boxing stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so her almost... And more like androgynous than masculine, mm. not feminine. Yeah. Works in portraying a trans man. Mm. Hilary Swank did live as a man for a couple of months before the filming. Yeah. She did the binding. She did the jocks stuffing. Yeah. She cut her hair really short. So she certainly committed to the role. Yes. It, this is something that we're going to come up against <laughs> a lot. Uh, for representation, I'm giving it a two out of five. Yeah. I also think that they didn't represent the true story accurately according to some people, mainly the people in it. <laughs> so the real Lana, yeah. Chloe Sevigny, um, said that... It was not accurate, and it was basically a lie, and called it the second murder of Brandon Tina, 
Um, she sued uh, Fox Searchlight, um, depicted her as a, quote, lazy, white trash and skanky snake, and that her family and friends had come over to see her as a lesbian who did nothing to stop a murder. Yeah, but then there was also... There was... But then there are people that said Lana was more heavily involved in the murders. Yeah. So it's hard. But also Lana, I think... Um, Lana herself... There, there were, it's a, that artistic license thing again. No, You know, whoever wrote the movie wasn't there. You know, it's yeah. that thing again where it's like... If what those reactions when they found out that Brandon was trans weren't accurate and all that kind of stuff. They're saying they weren't. Yeah. Like they didn't act as positively, react as positively in the real life as they did in the movie. You're saying... Lana didn't. Well, yeah, Lana in real life has said, I dumped him straight away. Hmm. And there is a bit of artistic license in there. So, so Lana's sued them because she said, you've portrayed me badly, but I actually treated Brandon worse than I did in the movie. At that one particular moment. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. then also other people are saying Lana was more involved in the murder than the movie. So like, this is like, it's also like if you're, and the other one is like Marvin, the actual murderer's cousin. Has yeah. come out and said, "No, no, it's not true. This is not how it happened." Yeah, but he's but, still killed. Yeah. So the 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 court tried facts are that Martin raped and murdered Brandon Tina. Yep. So then, twenty five years later, or whatever it is, thirty years later. Now. No, the, this movie happened in the sixties. The nineties. It was like 1993. Really? Yeah. No, I thought it was earlier than that. No. 93. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, as a cousin of a murderer, are you going to come out and still go, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, he raped and murdered her. Like yeah, that. he did. Like, yeah. and so I'm not saying they're lying, mm-hmm. but if... Lana comes out and says, says, I was actually nicer. But then someone else comes out and says, Lana was actually meaner. And then someone comes out and says, yes, Martin killed him. Then Martin's cousin comes out and says, no, he actually didn't. Mm. Like it's, and that's what makes telling a true story hard. And obviously Kimberly Pierce has to write it based on the facts she can gather. Yes, but she's gathered, she is known to have gathered facts and changed them. The name. The name and the removed a person. So you, I can see where you're like, exhibit A is she did this and didn't tell the story correctly. Tisdale settled her lawsuit against Fox Searchlight for an undisclosed sum. So... I find it, I find telling true stories in films as opposed to documentaries interesting. When you make a film, you make it to tell a story and also make a point. Yeah. So the point of this movie is the homophobia, transphobia, rape and murder of a trans man. Yep. And so there is artistic license taken in the true story in order to make that point. There is a documentary about the murder of Brandon Tina. Yeah. They're two different things. Yes. I'm okay with some artistic license. I'm also okay with Lana Tisdale suing if she thinks it's representing her badly and bordering on defamation. Yeah. Um, so in terms of representing the true story, it might not be amazing and yeah. factually perfect. Yeah. But in terms of representing 
homophobia and tra- more transphobia in little town Midwest America. Yeah, but it the, does that. The story does that already because that that is the story. So the artistic license that whatever name's taken, yeah, doesn't enhance or like magnify the story. The fact that somebody raped and murdered a trans man is is the story. Yes, but I think in order to make that, I think if when they found out, everyone just dropped her, him. him. Um, I was getting myself confused with Lana dropping him. If she and everyone else just like dropped him to start with. I think it enhances the tragedy of the murder that Lana still loves him. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. And it's that fine line which which some people do better than others, Roland Emmerich, of taking too much artistic license to make the point and to basing it on a true story or just using the story to tell their whatever they want. Yeah, okay. I think there's degrees of how far you can go. Yeah. And based on what I had read, I didn't think Pierce went too far. Okay. Well, I'm giving it a two for representation. Well, I'm also giving it a two. (laughs) Jesus. Well, because... (laughs) It's had a 20-minute discussion disagreeing with each other. (laughs) No, I, I... yeah, we have different reasons. Yeah, okay. We have different reasons for the same score. Yeah. But how iconic is the movie? Very iconic. <laughs> it won Oscars. And? It's pretty much in the mainstream. It is in the mainstream. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it launched Hilary Swank. Yeah. Um, not that she's become a queer icon. Hugely, she obviously has this iconic, yeah, trans role. I th- yeah, in twenty nineteen, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry in they the Library that. of Congress. How did Kumar go to White Castle as as being, in the Library of Congress? It is not <laughs> as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. That's something. I reckon it is. I reckon like American Pie is in the Congress. Culturally significant. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yeah. American Pie, or Harold and Kumar, your first example, yeah, is yeah. none of those things. No. Um, I did. The guy that plays Kumar, what's his name? Uh, Cal Penn. Yeah. Is gay. Yeah. I didn't know that oh. until I saw a reel today. Did you miss that in the newsletter? Yeah. Okay. I saw a reel today um, that... Uh, oh, he was like, well, how did you find doing all these jokes? Yeah. How did you feel doing all the gay jokes in like Harold and Kumar? Yeah. And he was like, well, it was kind of a bit, a bit of the time of when it was. But also he said, I was just so wrapped up in the fact that this was two Asian American leads in a comedy movie. Yeah. That hadn't been done before. Mm. Um, and... He goes, if we made a Harold and Kumar 4, which he's open to, oh God. Um, the jokes would be obviously be different now. Interesting. Mm. Um, we're not putting Harold and Kumar... We're not doing Harold and Kumar... On the rainbow, rainbow pop list. list. <laughs> no, we are not. Uh, maybe the one where they go to White Castle. I Iconicness. I, I want to give it... I don't know. Uh, like a four... Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. It's iconic enough that it was a. They talked a lot about it in disclosure last week. We talked about disclosure last week. They didn't do yeah. disclosure last <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They talked a lot about it in disclosure. They did, which I think adds to the iconicness of it. Yep. Um, it's part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, that's what, yeah. you know. I do think it's the most mainstream. Uh, it's oh, it's certainly one of the most mainstream trans 
movies. Okay. Trans characters. Yep. And movies about a trans story. Yes. The other thing that they spoke about in Disclosure was that all the stories are traumatic and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Which is something... love to watch, apparently. That, and that's something we talked about when we first came up with the idea for Rainbow Popcorn. Yeah, every second week it's going to be somebody dying of AIDS. Finding queer cinema um, that tells a story other than getting kicked out by your parents living on the street and dying of AIDS. Yeah, or all three and something. We'll do a movie yeah. at some point that's all three. Um, but we'll... we'll try The Holy Trinity. The, the Holy the Trinity of Trinity. queer cinema. Unholy is right. Um, I'm going to give it a four as well for okay. iconicness because it launched uh, Hillary Swank and it is the most, I think, mainstream trans story. Okay. Okay? Yep. Dialogue. You've written so much more than me. I wrote a bit lines that came up. Whether they're good or bad, I don't know. But, like, what I found good about the acting was that it was quite just, like, genuine yeah. And it wasn't, like, over-the-top melodramatic stuff. They did just seem like real people. Especially when, you know, they're just sitting around partying or in the car or whatever. Driving it just around, it yeah. didn't seem like a script. Yes. It was just like they said, and action and talk. Be your character and talk. Which yeah. is what made it more genuine. Um, a, a couple of... I wrote, like... So the guy that he lives in the trailer with at the very start. The cousin? Yeah. Is like, oh, so you're a boy now. Now what? Yeah, I didn't like that. Well, Why don't you just admit that you're a dyke? That came later. The yeah. first was like, oh, so you're a boy, so now what? Yeah. I kind of took that as like, oh, so that's kind of it. We're not talking about it anymore. Now what's comes next you're living the rest of your life as a boy yeah i was kind of like oh okay that's how easy transitioning should be yeah it develops and comes up a little bit later that the cousin is not quite as accepting as i had interpreted that line to be no um no you did not yes you're not a boy you're a dyke um i didn't like um that they called Candace's mum, did they all call her mum? Like they didn't know her real name. That happens. No, but no, but it's like even when it's like introduced, this is Brandon or this is mum. So like this is my mum, Veronica. Well, she's kind of like the the mum of all these lost soul you know, kids. Thinking it. There was no mention of her name at all throughout the movie. It was just weird to me. I don't know why I picked on it. It might have been an artistic decision to not add another character name. Yeah. To make it just so we just think of her as the, just the mum character. Yeah. Rather than thinking her of and thinking of her as mum and name. Like I also don't like this way like and how and when they found out that Brandon was trans. Yeah. As in like these people are stupid. Yeah. They just put the pieces together too quickly. Yeah, that's probably a movie time limit thing. It was just like, there's a name in here. That's him. She's a girl. It just, I didn't, I didn't like it. It just didn't make sense to me. That didn't, I didn't think it felt that too quick for me. I don't know. It was just, he's an idiot. And I just don't know if he would have worked out or had the exposure to know what he was talking about he might not have been able to be like he is a trans man he might have just been like yeah a lesbian dressing as a boy which i think is pretty much what he got to yeah i don't i just didn't it just didn't quite all gel for me yeah okay I um my main notes about the dialogue and the acting were how good Hilary Swank is yeah but also there was I felt there was kind of like two things of telling the story and there was this is a 
tragic story of transphobia. Yes. But as well as that, it was also just a story about a person trying to find their place in the world. Well, that's what the thing I kind of liked at the start before then these people that were his friends killed him. Um, that they, he obviously is just looking somewhere and people to fit in with. And I feel like that's a very queer thing. Hmm. Is the trying to fit in, and I think one he of just the finds this group, and they, they don't ask questions, they don't judge. Yeah, he's just in and friends. But then also the flip side of that is, and that is what probably is one of the major issues for Brandon, was that he was so desperate to find those friends and be accepted. Yeah, that it was just like one night of drinking, mm. and he's like, "These are the people. These are the yeah. This is it." I'm yeah. just done with these people and just fell into it because it's so he was so keen uh, to find it that he was kind of blinded to the fact that they were just a bunch of meth heads that he was living yes. with. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was not good for him as much as his cousin tried to tell him. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a thing that a lot of queer people can identify with is First of all, trying to find that way of fitting in, but mm-hmm. also being so desperate to find that way of fitting in that you sometimes don't see the bad the other side of you it or the bad the side of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that was a good part of it in the queer storytelling side of it. But then kind of below or above, depending on which story writing you're going with, mm-hmm. is just... A person trying to find make yes. friends yeah. who happens to be trans. That's the yeah. first section of the movie. And then yeah. the trans issue obviously comes in when they find out they're all transphobes. Yeah, I did that like at the start. It's like it was kind of hinting at him being trans without kind of just blurting it out. Yeah. It wasn't like, yeah. I'm trans now. Meh. You know what I mean? It was just like you saw him do this or this and you would put the pieces together. Yeah, I think that. I think it's a bit, I think it's as much as we've talked about the flaws of changing the story from the true, I think Pierce has done well and is a very good storyteller. Yeah. If this wasn't a true story... It's a good movie. All of the issues of representation... Other than we'd then go, there's no people of colour in it. Yes. Um, are not as big. No. Just the tricky thing when you're doing a real movie, people are always going to say that. It is. But overall, for dialogue. For dialogue and acting, I think I'm going to give it a four. All oh, right. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay. Don't seem like no sexual identity crisis to me. Weird line. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Considering when it just seems like he just found out what that is. Yes. (laughs) So in an entirety... In an entirety... I've... um, This is an interesting thing. It's, but you will be able to comment on this. I will. In a few of my, in a bit of my research, there has been a few comparisons between it and Rebel Without a Cause. Mostly favourable. Spoiler alert. Mostly favourable comparisons. Okay. Yeah. Now, except for this one, and I'm going to name him. Okay. Peter Rainier for New York Magazine wrote this. Uh, something something rebel without a cause but a transgendered version elaborating that the film could have used a tougher and more exploratory spirit for Pierce there was no cruelty no derangement in Brandon's impostures toward the unsuspecting that says to me that Peter Rainier thinks trans people are deranged and is making and is trying to fool unsuspecting people. That makes no sense to me, that sentence. I think the bigger sentence 
makes more sense and I don't think I've picked the best bit to put that I don't I also don't uh, I'm trying to think the comparison to Rebel Without a Cause is just like a kid that feels out of place a lost guy that's trying to find a, friends uh, and falls into a bad crowd and then uh, the, kinda when the bad crowd finds out their true identity they turn on him well n- no that's not really how the movie works. Okay. Look, I don't. I just. I think it might just be the lone wolf time person finding their place in the world. I suppose there is a bit of it. Doing what they need to do to fit in. In terms of the rebel without a cause comparison, the com- the character I compare them more to in. Like I compare Brandon's story of trying to fit in and find his people more with. Salminio's character of Rebel Without a Cause, not James Dean's. Although there is a, the main three in Rebel Without a Cause, the whole thing of Rebel Without a Cause is just these teenagers that are, you know, not not rebels really, just anti step, yeah. you know, authority. Yeah, which I suppose is probably the definition. Yes. <laughs> but then they find each other and they hang out, and then one of them gets shot in the end. Well, maybe that's it. But then, yeah, this, this review where Peter Rainier from New York Magazine says that Pierce should have shown more of Brandon's deranged impostures toward the unsuspecting. That's deranged just transphobic. Impostures towards the unsuspecting. He's used the word deranged to describe a trans person. And That's impostures. And that they're impo- being an imposter. Yeah. Rather than, as we know, living their true self. Yeah. I think the hardest thing for me about watching this movie, um, apart from the very violent aspect of it, was that I don't like the cure. (laughs) I, when I worked at the movies, you know, in the foyer and in the cinemas, when there's, like, in between, it's just an empty cinema, there's nothing on the screen. Yeah, yeah. There's a PA system playing yes. music. It was almost always The Cure. Did your manager like The Cure? The whoever upstairs decided what to yeah, play. Right. The Cure. And so that's why I cannot stand The Cure. Friday I'm in love can fuck off. That's why I don't like Sting. I didn't work at the cinema, but I worked at a cafe for a while. And the one of the bosses was in love with Sting, but didn't play like... Don't stand so close to me. Message in a bottle. Oh, a little weird. Play this new stuff. Yeah, it's nah. just like somewhere between a police song and a spoken word poetry in a cafe on a busy Friday morning. Yeah, depressing. Any no good. Um, but that was just a light-hearted thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a it's a well-made movie. It tells a story well. I didn't like the end with the recap of. This, what the sentencing was. I don't know why, though. <laughs> and then That's I don't the, I know why... it is a true story. Yeah. And then it had... You know, oh, that's why I didn't like it, because they didn't mention the other guy. So it's like, here is the fact of what he got sentenced. Oh, and didn't say... But this guy was there was another him. person you killed that you didn't even show in real yeah, life. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah. And then and it goes, when it says, you know... Brandon Tina year to year. Yeah. It's Brandon Tina and then put in brackets Tina Brandon. I, that yeah. didn't that was not right to me. I was like, oh, dead name. Well, no, because didn't one of those things say that Brandon Tina was buried in the headstone said Tina Brandon? It's because his parents didn't think that he was transgender. Yeah, so that might be why she put those both names um, on the end. Well, that's not right. I'm not sure she should have, but that no, might she be why have. she did it. But also, yeah, she shouldn't have. Anyway, that's my that's my thing. One thing I found interesting that what so this happened in 1993, so 30 years ago. A lot of the response to his transness is still a thing people are still oh, saying still a it's a violence yeah but even the basic like people still saying it's a sickness well philip rainier yeah 
people still saying it's a stick sickness um and like you know they pull his pants down and they're like oh he's got a vagina he's a girl yeah that's still a thing that people do yes they just go your bits are your identity um and that cop asking so many questions oh that was bad that still that shit still happens yeah to just understand the situation and like no no the situation is rape yeah doesn't matter what bits i've got yeah i was raped full stop yeah and i'm going to call myself brandon tina and maybe on your computer it says tina brandon yeah but regardless of you understand trying to understand how this trans thing works someone is a rapist yes and i think that's one of the big issues that trans people still face yep is people and we talked about it in disclosure and in the disclosure documentary there was you know that Katie Couric interview where she's asking, you know, That's what bits do you have and how your boobs work and all of that stuff. Yeah. There's just too many questions about bits. Yep. And not too many questions about the actual identity. the actual thing. Yep. And the situ- like the situation isn't what bits Brandon has. It's what happened to Brandon. Yeah. And that that kind of hit me. Things in movies like this where it hits me, and I'm like, well, that still happens. That's the stuff that I feel mm. shit about watching these movies. Obviously, I felt shit when she got head, he got his head blown off. Yeah. The, but then as well to that, and I think this is a bit of the artistic license. Lana, the character Lana in the movie, still loves Brandon, uh, even though Brandon doesn't have the bits that of the people she normally yes loves yeah i think that message is still a good message to have in there even though she does break up with him in the end yep um but then she is distraught Mm. when he's killed um yes so yeah it i think those two contrasting messages coming still now 25 years later um are good yeah I think it's well told. I think the story that is told isn't 100% accurate, but I understand the argument of artistic license. Yeah. I think overall I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Before watching it, I didn't know it was a true story. Oh, really? Well, I just knew about this movie, Boys Don't Cry, where Hilary Swank plays a trans man. Okay. And that was kind of all I knew about it. Yeah, that's true. And then I made the mistake of while I was watching it, looking it up on Google. So I knew that he was killed in the end. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh. How many movies have we reviewed and I haven't learned my lesson? Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving it a three and a half out of five for entirety. Okay. Which gives it a total pride score. Out of 50. Of 35. That's pretty good. Which puts it second last. Oh. It's, a, it's tighter. Yeah. And there's a long way between that and Stonewall. There's about 30, not 30, 20. 20 points. What's Stonewall? 12? 16.5. Yeah, right. Mm, mm, Out of 50. Not good. Not great. But hey, neither was the movie. But hey, (laughs) maybe we'll do a good one next week. What are we going to do next? Did I choose this? I chose Boys Don't Cry. Yeah, you so see. you're choosing what's next. Shit. Um, well, I won't choose that because somebody dies and into that as well. What's a fun... I'm trying to find, like, a good movie. A fun or nice one. One that's there... Oh, no, that... Nope, somebody dies and into that as well. Somebody die in the end of that? Probably. Um, let's do... Um... Love, Simon. Oh, good. I was just talking about that last night. There you go. Let's do something a bit more cheery. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Lee cries. Lee cries, everybody. Uh, I'll cry. I actually actually mentioned Love, Simon the other day to someone because, like we said earlier, 
Uh, actually, I'll save that for the review episode. Okay, like, don't because otherwise that's whole five minutes of material. <laughs> I was going to say, don't use it all now. <laughs> I've got things to say about Love Simon. I've watched it a couple of times, and I've read the book. Uh, we were having this conversation at work. Was it at work, or was I did it the other day? Anyway, people are like, oh, books, this, books, that. I'm like, nah, I don't read books. I'm like, oh, well, what about this one? You've got glasses though. I, I mean, I don't. That's because I'm smart. <laughs> Um, and it's because I have a bit screens too much and not yeah. books. Um, I'm like, if it's books, I'll make a movie. <laughs> and people say that because somebody was like, oh, Gone Girl. I should read that. I'm like, nah. I'm like, why? But it's a movie. Just watch the movie. Actually, like, that's one where I'm like, Gone Girl is so much better as a book. Because I don't like the... But in the movie, in the book, this yada yada. Yeah. Because it's not they're not it's not the book. No, they're no. making a movie based on it. Totally. Yeah. Gone Girl is a movie, great. And I'm not saying Gone Girl is a movie not great because the book is better. Gone Girl is a book. Good. Is is incredible. Yeah. Gone Girl is a movie is very good, but they're very different. Yes. A lot of the thriller aspect of the book is heightened than the movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. But anyway, next week... We're doing Love Simon. <laughs> doing Love Simon. Not Gone Girl. And not the book. Not the book Love Simon. doing Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda. No. Which is the book. Which never would have worked as a movie title. No, terrible. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you Thank for you. your thoughts, Brett. No worries, Lee. Um, Love Simon is next week. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and the YouTube channel uh, make sure you head on over and subscribe and listen to two big cinema as well and follow all of the socials there's a thousand links in the episode description and you have to follow all, all of them, them. Which I don't know how to measure because one goes on the bench and then another dashes into the glass and then one dashes little and one dashes big. Are we talking about bitters still? Yep. Cheers. Two Drink Cinema. A Two Brothers Entertainment Podcast. I'm Lee. And I'm Brett. We are two brothers reviewing movies, two drinks at a time. Uh, Stephen would be very happy with it. Spielberg. That is right. He's the director. Yes, I am. Of E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Done. Couple other things. Anything else? Yeah. Okay. Join us as we discuss the old, the new, the classic, and the cult. Together, we drunkenly review some of the great and not so great big screen flicks. You know how in The Witches, the new one. Yeah. We had Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. And she didn't sing. Yep. Why do we need Neil Patrick Harris and Jonathan Jonathan Groff in there, and they don't do some big gay dance Broadway number? (laughs) I don't really understand it. Find us on the socials at Two Drink Cinema, on YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Cheers.